Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness in Humans. My name is Matt Phelan, I am co-founder of the Happiness Index and I'm here um, for a return leg with the amazing um, Steve Rush. How are you Steve? I'm great, thank you. You've had a bit of a crazy morning? Yeah, every morning's crazy but some just more crazy than others. Steve, I'm, uh, I'm a geography fan, this is a podcast, uh, but in the background I can see loads of map related stuff. Are you, are you a geography fan or do you just like the map? <laughs> a, a bit of both. I'm actually, uh, my whole, what folk can't see is the whole of my office wall on the left hand side is a huge map of the world and it's uh, an, an interesting dichotomy when you look at, I'm so close to the world yet so far. So it helps you recognise that the world isn't that uh, that big after all. Love it, Steve. And um, please, for the purpose of our listeners that don't don't know you, could you please introduce yourself? I'm Steve Rush. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a crazy West Ham fan. I uh, oh, sorry, Steve, we've got to stop the podcast now. We can't. We, we can't have West Ham fans. <laughs> well, I know podcast. you're a Spurs fan, aren't you? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, as the most dominant team in London these days, West Ham. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. It's not very often I get the chance to say that. So. Uh, uh, I, until very recently, run a company called Improved Consultancy and, and Improved Consulting. And the reason I, I'm hesitating is because I still run that company kind of technically, but have fired myself as the CEO. And uh, I'm, I'm soon to become executive director for Human Resources for MSCI, uh, which I'm ex excited about. And that's a really interesting shift for me because I've been running my own business for 10 years. And mm -hmm. my client, who's an awesome client, has uh, given me this opportunity to really run their talent management effectiveness. So I'm looking forward to that as a new chapter in my life. I'm a podcaster as well. And as you know, you've been on my show. It was a fantastic conversation. And it's the leading leadership podcast, the leadership hacker. So that's well, me. We're coming back to that, Steve, because I've got a few questions on that. Um, but the most important question of today is what makes you happy, Steve? Oh, there's lots of things that make me happy, but there are a couple of things that make me more happy than most. So seeing my family smile has got to be one of the most important things for me. So when they smile, I, it absolutely radiates with me. So watching my kids, my wife, my family smile, that's really, really important to me. Watching other people move forward is massive for me. It makes me really happy. So having somebody move their career, their behaviors, their lifestyle, and from something that wasn't particularly pleasing or move to something that is more pleasing that they're the kind of big things that make me happy I love that and and Steve obviously I, I went through your LinkedIn profile a, a really impressive career and I and that's the big um finance sector influence of banks and so on um, and I've got a broad question for you in the finance sector is a, is a broad sector but we find that there are certain industries that totally understand that looking after your people um transforms through to the finance of the business I find when when we meet people from the finance sector that there's a real divide by like I, re I remember Caroline and I um, who's our CMO we had a call with a, a, a finance sector company and the HR person pretty much started out by saying Matt I just want to make it clear um, I don't care about people <laughs> and wow. and I don't believe in happiness which which that was like the starting point and the, we pretty much finished the call pretty quickly because like this what's the point um, but then, and I, I called Caroline that light, I was like, there's no point in us working in the finance sector anymore, even though we've got like amazing clients like Horan Co, which is one of the oldest banks in the world. Um, and then the next morning I was on a, on a webinar and the, the HR director of the finance company, again, I won't say who they are, but she was like, um, just want you to let you know that we're, uh, we're effectively, we look after assets and the most important asset in the world is your people. 
in other sectors we don't get that like huge divide there seems to be a sort of a some industries where people just care about people and somewhere they don't but the finance sector seems to be so split um any insight behind that or or am I, am I, is that just because of what i do at the happiness index so i think there's probably a couple of things as an industry as a sector it's it's evolved rapidly in the last 20 years and if you think about how banks operated it was very hierarchical they were very kind of regimented in the way that they did things through their routines and processes and those more progressive organizations in the financial services sector who recognize the real value of people first and understanding that people are going to un unlock great client and customer service and satisfaction who are going to build those great products and services that are going to help provide the solutions our clients and customers need they've gone on to focus and recognize heavily that their people are their biggest asset yeah. and it's fair to say i think most companies i've worked with and for have had much more of a, a rapid journey that way however there are some really entrenched behaviors that still exist in some financial services companies where they don't recognize that so perfect example is if you have a look at the future of work what's happening right now mm. some of the traditional investment banks have just said hey, we don't care about you come back to work this is how we do yeah. things we want recency we want you in the office nine to five yeah that that just demonstrates that they're not thinking about their people what it demonstrates yeah. is they're thinking about their culture and the, and actually the, the culture that they think they have is a productive one my experience tells me that's actually contrarian so the future of work and financial services you'll see that organizations are taking that really seriously mm. you'll see that people are being really thoughtful about how can they how can i help this person become most productive and you do that by understanding that you put them first and of course yeah. you know this is this is a, this is a relationship like anything so you can't put your people first all of the time because yeah. if you do that you lose you lose focus on productivity and outcomes which drive income for the organization which gives you the ability to invest in your people more yeah. so it's absolutely about getting balance and i think the sector split because some of those entrenched behaviors and leaders still exist and you know it's only until they allow those leaders to retire and move on and do other things yeah that i think you'll see real radical change on that on that balance steve i just want to get some of your some of your coaching advice for our, our listeners then because the one thing that i often hear with hr professionals is they will describe themselves as they say well the re if i get into it with them they'll say well look, i don't the reason i don't um they'll, they'll describe themselves as a commercial hr person um, whereas we know, like the more the more you look after people, like the happier someone is, the more productive they are. And it's not my opinion; it's just a it's just our data. Um, if you've got someone who's working in a HR team that's listening, and they're working maybe for a HR director that sees himself as a a commercial HR person, because to me, that what when someone says that, what I think they what I say is you're just looking in the short term, not in the long term. That's that's where I finally get with it. But how do you? I suppose how do you coach upwards in a way is, is is my question steve if someone's listening and they they believe in this stuff but their boss might not so it's a really interesting label isn't it so if somebody's telling me that they're a commercial hr director it tells me that they're actually not thinking about the people either <laughs> because yeah. they're thinking about the money and the irony yeah. is of course in that is that every hr function is a commercial function because the more productive our people are, the more happier they are. We know that there, there are three things that are going to make people happy at work to keep them engaged. That's development, inclusion, and uh, and providing them with innovation. So if you if you invest in your teams, then that's a commercial decision. So that's kind of the first thing I wanted to say.
But if yeah. you find yourself having a conversation where even the whole label of human resources is an interesting for me and, and one that I've got on my my docket to consider and think about with the organization I'm going to be working with is human resources. They're not resources, yeah. they're people. So, you know, is the label even, why, why do we call it human resources? Yeah. We're actually, we're a people function and yeah. that's the reality of it. So the first thing is to, is to help people unlock some of the labels and, and why, are they giving, why are they giving themselves those labels? Yeah. And, and then recognize and notice, are the labels helping or holding people back? Yeah. And, in, and often they're, they're protective labels to, uh, to preserve some thinking, preserve some behaviors to keep themselves safe and less vulnerable. And if I'm a commercial HR uh, leader, then I'm going to do things the right way to get the right results, to drive income yeah. for this organization. Fantastic. How's that helping you? Yeah. How's it, how's it holding you back? No, I, lo I love that advice. The, the one that I resonate with on labels that I always think about a lot is um, technology companies like ours that often use the phrase users. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> they sound like a drug dealer, straight. Like you sound like literally. It's just uh, yeah. So I, I imagine everyone who's listening now is thinking about the labels in their business. So that's that's really useful. Um, a question on your podcast because I, I absolutely love it. Um, and I was, again, I was just scrolling through your website and looking at some of the amazing guests you've had. Um, I've got one theory on why your podcast has gone crazy from a neuroscience perspective because we're taught um, within the happiness index to like listen to our bodies and our brains and think about how the hormones are impacting it in our brains. What I think one part, part of the reason which you would never be able to say is that I do think that your voice is very calming. <laughs> like even wow. now, even now like, I feel like oh, I feel calm. Steve's here. Everything's going to be all right. I'm not sure my kids and my wife would have the same. Uh... <laughs> so that's my, that's, that's my neuroscience hormone like perspective. But I suppose the question is, why, why do you think the podcast has gone crazy? Because there's so many podcasts out there these days. Like, what is it has res resonated with people on the on the leadership bit? Do you speak to your listeners much? And, and, and yeah, so, so we we get lots of traffic, lots of people telling us the things that they want to listen to, and the the key themes I think that that have made the podcast successful is that we've had some just really fantastic guests on the show. We 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 love difference, so we we love diversity. And yeah. diversity of thinking, diversity of thought, diversity of, of anything that gives people different perspectives. And we've got really precious about that. So having built a really big audience and, and listenership, we don't want to dilute that now. So yeah. we get we probably get approached by 30 or 40 guest requests a week. Yeah. And we stopped bookings six months ago. Yeah. And we literally have uh, up until Q1, and we're now really, really selective of who we get on the show. And I know that sounds really controlling, but our listeners deserve that. They deserve yeah. to be inspired. They deserve to be led by their thoughts of some great people. And therefore, I'm not going to drag anybody into the mix who hasn't got a story to tell, who isn't yeah. going to add value. And the whole notion of the leadership hacker is we get everybody to, at the end of each show, hack into their minds. And, you know, what yeah. are the three things that they want to? Uh, yeah. And in doing so, we get such rich tips in the moment every single week that i think that um it just gives people more for more food for thought in their leadership space i love it so and i've got i, I, I like cake then most of our listeners like cake um what is the leadership cake so the leadership cake came about completely by accident and i was coaching a ceo must be eight years ago now and uh this this guy was a really 
left brain, very kind of introverted, autocratic leader. And he was quite stubborn. And I couldn't get this guy to budge in my coaching conversations about his behaviors. Yeah. And he was technically brilliant. He was technically brilliant, very gifted in many areas. But in yeah. others, he was really bad. Yeah. No emotional intelligence, really poor lens. And that actual weekend, I was at home. And my wife's from the north of England. She has this real tradition that the last advent before Christmas, we stir the Christmas pudding, we all put a pound in, and it's called Stir Up Sunday. And she was talking about the cake and that on that Sunday morning. And we're going to stir the cake, and the kids are all going to do their stirring, mm. and we're going to get all the ingredients right, and I've got all this right, and if I don't get the ingredients right, then it's not going to be the Christmas pudding I want. And I went, ah, that's it. <laughs> she went, what, what are you talking about? I went, cake. It's a leadership cake. And she went, you've lost, you've lost it, Steve. What's going on? Yeah. And I and I dashed out the room and I hit my computer and I typed in leadership cake on into my Google browser. Nothing. Mm. Cakes, cakes and leadership, nothing. And I thought, isn't this isn't this just interesting that as a notion, if we could think of ourselves as cakes and we all have to have some real core ingredients to be a cake, mm. what would those core ingredients be? So I went off yeah. and did some research. And just so happens there was about four or five themes, four of which made up the acronym of CAKE, which was kind of ironic. Communication, authenticity, authenticity, knowledge, and empathy. And if you don't have all of those four, then you can't be a CAKE. You can't be a leader. Then the research then, well, you know, how do you make your CAKE taste better? Well, of course, you then right. add some ingredients in and the whipped cream filling in the middle is your personal development. So the, the thicker and juicier <laughs> you develop yourself, Oh, I'm getting so hungry, Steve. You know, the bigger your cake, the, the more appetizing you're going to be to your audience. That's your team. Yeah. Icing on your cake is your brand. Mm. So what does it look like? What does it say about you as a leader? And if you think of the, the whole kind of notion of if you've got a really beautiful looking cake, but you slice into it and there's not enough C, there's not enough com communication, there's not enough empathy, there's a really horrible thin bit of buttercream rather than a whipped cream filling, it might look great, but it won't taste great. Mm. And that's the whole notion of leadership cake and it came about. And that, anyway, long story short, um, wrote a book and it was a, a great seller. I love it, Steve. And um, can we just, just, I know we've only got eight minutes, but can we touch on the, can you just give us um, a couple of sentences on each of the four, just so we can sort of bring those four bits of the cake together? Because I, I, I want to get on to the next question, but I do think that's really important. So communication, all great leaders are great communicators. So I call them uh, communication adapters. And in other words, you, you're able to flex your communication style irrespective of who you're talking to, whether it be a junior member of staff, whether it be a senior investor, whether it be the, the janitor, it doesn't matter. You're able to flex that communication That's style. Right. And it's a core key component. Authenticity is really interesting. It's got a bit cliche lately because people have overused it as a, as a subject. Yeah. But actually, it's about just being you and showing up as who you are not yeah. trying to mimic other people, not trying to copy anybody. And often in organizations, you do see that. You see people trying to copy and mimic. And I'm a great believer in getting best practices and following great processes. But be yourself in doing that. That's authenticity. Yeah. Knowledge. Well, knowledge is only powerful if you share it. So a spoonful too few of knowledge is not going to be helpful. And a spoonful too much of knowledge isn't going to be helpful. So if you're a great leader and all you do is absorb yourself in knowledge, then all of a sudden you don't ask the crazy questions anymore. So having a really relevant level of knowledge is important so that you can still stay curious in that approach. And then of course sharing it so you don't create subject matter experts either because also subject matter experts become a little bit cliche and 
you create the prima donna in an organization who sits on all the knowledge so that's yeah. unhelpful and empathy i i call the empathy the cake it, the eggs in the cake it binds it all together you know without being able to step into the shoes of others and really understand how it is for them how it feels for them what their perspectives are what they're thinking what they're feeling how their perspectives are positioned we often yeah. make wrong wrong decisions as leaders mm. i'd love i'd love steve for you to sit into one of our when we present back our customers data to them for the first time where they for the first time understand how their people feel because yeah. often just silence for 10 minutes where people for their leaders for the first time are really because obviously everyone's feeling back anonymously at how they feel um I, I, if i can arrange it one day and it's a professional <laughs> person, I'd, I'd love you to see that because yeah, i think the, that the e part of cake i think you would you would really resonate yeah we sort of lead on to the hardest question that i mean it's massive but maybe you'll just spin it out in a couple of minutes but sorry in a couple of sentences but like what is leadership <laughs> like what is it yeah it's great so leadership is a behavior it's not a thing mm. and say that's again, the most say that again i need to hear that again so leadership is a behavior it's not a job title often people think it is so you can see leadership in a playground at school where kids are looking after each other they're being courteous to each other they're being respectful they're coordinating they're guiding each other that's leadership it doesn't have to be an age thing and it's definitely not a career thing and you can notice it because it is definitely about behaviors and the behaviors that come alongside that are things like empathy and trust inclusion helping people assisting guiding counseling just being nice and how you mm. show up and that's what leadership is for me and it's it's interesting that with you you start applying that in a organizational sense people then start to think of it differently they start to give it a label totally. or a job or a job level and actually don't i had a conversation last night with a, a very senior exec and the same thing around you know in their organization they were calling the managers all our managers do this all our managers do this yeah. and i said have you noticed what you're calling them yeah and they said oh well our managers that's what they do i said no it's not it's, yeah it, it might be that they do some of that management stuff yeah. But if you give them that label again, it goes back to that label, then they end up managing rather than leading. And you unlock different behaviors by just changing the label. I've got that same problem in the happiness index at the moment. And it happened in when we scaled our last business, which is we have the leadership team. Um, but then you're corralling leadership into a team and there's leadership all over the company. Um, I imagine you've seen that conversation a few times, Steve. Any advice for me and all the other people that are going through this? <laughs> yeah um promote on leadership capability don't promote on just talent it's a key core part of talent but if mm -hmm. people have, have got leadership capability match their aspirations with opportunity yeah um there's a natural question to sort of follow this up um is leadership nature or nurture it's been kicked around for generations this one hasn't it yeah. Uh, yeah. i thought you did some research a few years back and what i led what that research led me to was understanding that we do have DNA that gives us certain characteristics that create certain opportunities for us, yeah. which means that you know, if I go to private school and I'm naturally going to fall into an opportunity that says I might get uh, an opportunity to go to better university and if I go to better university, I might get hired by a better firm. Yeah. So there is, there is a DNA element in here, but that doesn't create leaders. It just creates people in jobs who might be fortunate to have those jobs. It doesn't mean they operate and they're effective in them yeah so leadership's absolutely uh nurtured it's taught it's a learned behavior 
and and it's been demonstrated from the best leaders in the organ in, in the world that you can see today are also likely to have not been those leaders who went to private school or had some of those opportunities they've been natural entrepreneurs they found their way through by having that curiousness and that restlessness to want to help and support other people and therefore when you kind of peel all of those layers back it's all about learned behaviors learning from others learning about yourself first in that process so that you can really assist and support and help others on their way i love that steve um we're, we're, we're up. We, you've answered all the questions. I think you've also named the podcast, which I think leadership is a behaviour. I think I think we'd be happy with that, Steve, would we? <laughs> yeah. We, we're going to stick with the leadership hacker for now because we can still hack into learning. No, sorry, behaviors. sorry. I meant for this podcast episode. <laughs> oh, right. Um, Rock and roll. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't mean... Oh, yeah, I'm not suggesting you rebrand <laughs> a successful podcast. Oh, so, um, Steve, to send us out, um, can you give us your number one uh, career learning? Oh, wow. Uh, my number one career learning is go faster, but don't take yourself so seriously. Mm, love that. Love that. Well, I've, I've only got one last thing to do, which is thank you on behalf of our listeners. Uh, my pleasure. I've, Thanks for I've enjoyed for it and I feel, I feel calm and I feel like I've learned for the rest of the day. So thank you. Thank you, Matt.